We've been going through a series on Sunday morning talking about the greatest challenges that the church faces today. We've looked, first of all, at the question on Stampede Sunday of will our children have faith? Talked a bit about that. Last, last week we talked about do not love the world or the things in the world. And uh, from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. And it was, uh, it, it, to me, that's so instructive. When I look at the world around us, I just think that we're not supposed to love the world. And today, I want to follow that up with something that's a bit similar in some ways. The notion of being strangers here in reverent fear. Strangers here in reverent fear. And, and here's the first point I kind of want to make. I remember when I was in grade seven. Anybody over here in grade seven? How old are you? How old are you people over here? The kiddos. Grade four, grade five, grade six, grade seven, grade fourteen. What grade are you in? You're in grade five. What grade are you in? Seven. seven. That's what I said. I'm up there begging you to tell me you're in grade seven. I get nothing. Now I got to come over here and confront you. What grade are you in? Four. It's absolutely fantastic. Should I believe you though? I don't think so. No, you're saying yes, I should believe you, but I don't think so. Mom is, mom is saying no, don't believe him. Yeah. Okay, so when I was in grade seven, I went into grade seven, and, and you know, in grade six, I was just a nerd. And in grade seven, I thought, when I go into grade seven, I'm not going to be a nerd anymore. I'm going to start dressing the way that everybody else dresses. And so I bought my first pair of Levi's 501 button-up fly shrink-to-fit jeans. And those of you who are older, you'll know what those are. They were fantastic. And the fact is, is that still I wear Levi's 501 button-up fly shrink-to-fit dark blue jeans. And you know, you can get them now so that they're already kind of washed out when you buy them. I don't like those. I want the ones that when you first put them on in the beginning, they feel like tin pants. Okay. And you wear them and they feel like they're made of metal for about the first month and a half. After you, and then after you've washed them four or five times, then they start to loosen up a little bit and it starts to feel like cotton. But for a while there, they just feel really stiff. And I, by the way, I bought a couple of pairs of these lately and, and I've noticed that they've changed the dye. Everything is the same except they've changed the dye and now they don't fade as rapidly as they used to. I want these things to fade. I want them to look old. So they feel good, but they look New. They're not supposed to look so new. So my point is with that is that I bought those in grade seven because I wanted to look like everybody else. I wanted to fit in. And there is so much that we do to fit in. And it's not just kids, of course, who do it. We as adults ask questions about what everybody else is doing. And then we make decisions about what we're doing based on what everybody else is doing. And sometimes with very little rhyme nor reason. And we end up looking an awful lot like the rest of the world. And I just wonder if we should. And I wonder that because of some biblical passages. And so look at this one, for instance. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. This is Jesus praying to God before he goes to his Father. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. 
My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world as I am not of it. And so in the course of this, Jesus says about three things. First, he says where we are. He tells us that we are, in fact, in the world. He makes it very clear that we're not of the world, but he tells us that we are, in fact, in the world. The second thing he says is that something about of who we are. We are not of the world any more than he is. So there's this identifying mark about who we are, or at least who we're supposed to be. And then he tells us the danger in being just like everyone else. And that simply is that the evil one lives here. And the fact is that because the evil one lives here, we live in a place of temptation. We live in a place where it is so easy for us to forget who we are and who God wants us to be and are open to what the evil one wants us to do and to be. And so it's easy to have our godly perspective and godly priorities replaced. It is so easy, so easy that we don't normally even think about it or see it happening. The world just kind of encroaches on who we are. And before we know it, we're making decisions that we wouldn't make if we were absolutely following Jesus in everything. And the problem, too, is we probably don't even recognize it. It is so subtle at times. But we end up looking just like the world. The fact is, something as innocent as what kind of jeans am I going to buy can be a decision based on where the world is at that can distort, in one sense, my way of thinking. Maybe God wants me to do something entirely different. Let me give you an example with these jeans. Several years ago, this is 10, 15 years ago now, when I was living in Victoria, I still wanted to buy the same jeans. So I went to the Levi's outlet store, and I went in and I said, I want to buy Levi's 501, shrink to fits, the button-up flies, the dark blue ones that feel like tin when you put them on. And here's what the lady said. This was embarrassing. She said, sir, I'd like to be able to help you, but those are now an archival item. Like... We used to have those back in the dark ages, but we don't have those anymore. That's an archival item. You can order them special, but they're $100. And I was like, what? Like, these are the jeans I've been wearing my whole life, and you're going to tell me they're going to cost me 100 bucks, and I've got to order them special in? But I was tempted to do that. Now, I didn't have 100 bucks at that point, so I didn't do it. But I think if I would have just had $100, I could have just easily spent $100 so that I could have the same jeans I've always had. When the fact is, there are other jeans that would do just as well, probably for $29.95. But I just couldn't bring myself to think in those terms. I was thinking about Levi's 501s, and that's all I wanted. Now, as it turns out, Levi's has gotten smarter in time, and they've gone back to making those. They're no longer an archival item. You can get them. And I think I bought my last pair for like $39.95. So I don't know what they were thinking when they were going to charge me $100 for them. But still, there is that temptation to walk just like the world and the way that the world lives. And I, I could use the extra 60 bucks doing something else. Maybe doing something good if I didn't insist on having the dark blue 501s as I've described. And so it's easy here to have our golly perspective changed. It's easy to forget that we have a role to play. 
We're not just living out life here, but God has something that he wants us to do. He has a kingdom that he wants us to build. We have this primary goal of building his kingdom, and that really needs to supersede the other choices that we make. And so we think we're not here for a long time, so we think we're here just for a good time. It feels so good fitting in, and that becomes our focus. But it's simply not what God wants. And the fact is, you think about this, like I was making those kind of decisions when I was 13 years old, I wanted to fit in so badly. Isn't it time I grow up? Isn't it time that I'm no longer thinking like a 13-year-old, that I'm no longer thinking like a junior high kid and insisting that I be just like everybody else? And yet, exactly, that's exactly what we often are, is making decisions so we are just like everybody else. Well, it's more than just these things that Jesus says. In the scriptures, Peter says these things, and David alluded to this this morning. We are God's elect strangers in the world. That's in chapter 1, verse 1 of 1 Peter. And then he goes on to say, Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you by your forefathers, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. And the fact that the blood of the Lamb has saved us, been shed for us, sets us apart. We are strangers here who must fear what will happen to us if we're too closely aligned with this world. There is a warning here about fitting in. Well, this isn't all Peter says. Look at this one. I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Do you see how he uses this war language? The world and the prince of this world wars against our souls, Peter says, trying to convince us that we are something other than strangers and aliens here. He wants us to fit in. Satan wants us to feel just like everybody else, look like everybody else, have the same priorities as everybody else. And Jesus and Peter, in this case, is saying, no, we need to live a different kind of life. In fact, live such good lives and, in fact, such different lives among the pagans that they see the way we live and they glorify God because of the way that we live. Clearly, if we compromise there, if we compromise in the way in which we live and we look just like everybody else, the glorification of God is not going to take place in the way that it should. We want to glorify God with our lives and we can't glorify God with our lives if we look just like everybody else, he says. Things have to be different. Well, it's not easy standing alone. And that's really what we're asking for. When I was in grade seven, I didn't want to be a misfit. I didn't want to stand alone. I didn't want to look like everybody else. In grade six, I had jeans that had holes in the knees and the woman who was taking care of me at that point would sew patches or iron patches on the inside of my jeans so that I would have no holes showing, but I really had holes in my knees with patches underneath. Well, all the kids could see I had patches in my knees and I didn't want that in grade seven. And so I fit into the world at that point with no patches. And that's what we want is no patches. 
And it was too much for me to stand alone in that way. Well, God wants us, I think, to stand alone. And the fact is we find ourselves in a battle. A battle, it says, for our souls, where we're tempted to look just like everybody else. Well, I have a video clip. Glenn, if you want to prepare to play this. This comes from the movie Amazing Grace, which is the story of William Wilberforce, uh, who helped to end the slave trade, specifically in Great Britain back in the end of the 18th century. And the setting for this clip is this. He is being asked to make a choice. He, he recently in his life, he found the Lord. And he's wrestling now. Do I live a life of solitude and ministry? In other words, do I become a priest? Or do I do something as a political activist? Do I do something for God in this world? And it's interesting the choice that he has to make there. In one sense, both choices are a choice for God. But he could so easily be tempted by just living a life as a Lord in England. He was of that status. He was being asked by the prime minister, his good friend, William Pitt, who you also will see in the film, to be in his cabinet. And he could just be a political person. But the people who are there confronting him with a decision are asking for more. They want him to be more than just looking like everybody else and certainly not looking like everyone else who is simply a lord in the house of lords in England. And so he gets asked to do something different. Glenn? The I hope you can see the choice, the decision that he has to make. Is he going to be one of the MPs 
just like all the others, 300 to 1, he says. Is he going to follow down that path and be just like them, or is he going to choose to do something different? As it turns out, Wilberforce in history did choose to do something different, and for a while it was 300 against 1, trying to end the slave trade. And then it went from 300 to 290 against 10, and 280 against 20, and it slowly grew. And over a period of 40 years, Wilberforce consistently tried to get the British Parliament to change what they were doing with slavery in the West Indies. And finally, he did. There's another scene at the end of the movie where he receives a standing ovation from Parliament for all the, the lifelong work that he devoted to changing that one particular issue. But he could have simply fit in. It would have been so easy for him to just say, no, I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing. And instead he chose to still live the life of a wealthy Lord. But to do so with the will of God as his single motivation. And he was called by God to something great because of his firm commitment. I have no doubt but that he recognized that what he was doing was an act of an alien and a stranger. He was not like everyone else. He did something different. Lived out the life that Christ called him to live here. And he changed the world. And you just wonder what little parts of our world could be changed. If we would decide to simply live consistently as aliens and strangers here in our world. And so we need to ask ourselves, how am I different? In what ways am I a stranger? Because our behavior is supposed to be different. We have a different worldview. We have a different master. We hold different priorities. We act on different motivations. And so we need to spend our time differently. We could be in bed this morning. We choose not to be. We could have been in bed yesterday morning. Instead went for a prayer walk, some of us. And there might be times when you're called to make those decisions. God wants us maybe to do something different than just go to a movie on Friday night when we could be in life group. We could be at the mall or we could be at the hospital visiting somebody. God sometimes asks us to make those choices. How do we spend our money? I can buy another electronic gadget, which will make my phoning easier, or I can provide water to children in Zimbabwe. I can make sure that I have the latest fashion and wear 501s. Or I could support a student in Zambia. I could buy the less expensive car and take the balance to buy clothes for orphans in Mexico on my next trip down there. The point is, is that we shouldn't just look like everyone else. We shouldn't act just like everyone else. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We are strangers and aliens here. And it should be a bit uncomfortable if we're aliens here. Sometimes I think we would rather be comfortable in the world and uncomfortable with God than to be uncomfortable in the world and be perfectly aligned with what God wants us to do in our lives. We've got it exactly turned around at certain points. I hesitate to even close with this scripture because it is so pointed. But look at this. Don't you know 
that friendship with the world is hatred toward God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Is it overstated? Probably. But man, James makes a point. And one that all of us in our own way need to hear. Let's pray. Lord, as we think about the challenges that face our lives and the church today, there are many. We're trying to think about some of the biggest ones. This one, God, is huge. And Father, I pray that you would help each of us in our own way, where we are in life, to make the, the best choices possible in who we are and how we might live out our lives best before you and best before the world. Help us live such good lives before the world that they see our good deeds and end up praising you because of how we live. Give us strength, Father. Give us your spirit to make this possible for us. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.